Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy Coleman, your host. I hope my voice is not too raspy. It's a little scratchy. I'm battling a sore throat, but it's going to hold together just fine. I apologize, though, if it's a little bit different sounding. But today, I wanted to share a little bit of a window into the Arab world, how evangelical Christianity is faring in the Arab world, provide a bit of an outside perspective. I recently had the opportunity to travel there for the ministry for the Christian Emergency Alliance. And first off, I just want to thank all of our donors who make this possible. We're doing projects in the Arab world, uh, in other countries around the world. It also allows us to do travels like this. Thank you so much for making that feasible. Uh, We couldn't do it without you, so we're very, very grateful for that. But I wanted to share what I saw and an update onto the situation there, just so that we as the church can be as strong as possible, that we know about what's going on in different parts of the body, we know how to pray, and we know what we want to support and ways that we can be encouraging uh, and strengthening where that strength is needed. So one of the things that I saw on this trip, and it's been a few years since I've been in this part of the Arab world, It was so good to be back. I had been there many, many times before, but it had been a while since I was there. So I was able to really gauge, you know, a season that had passed and where things stood and the differences. They stood out to me more starkly, and I really appreciated it. It was great to be there. But what I sensed, and I'm not being very specific as far as countries that were visited, um, I'm keeping that generic. I'll keep the stories that I shared generic um, just for, for... purposes of security, but what I did sense is that this was a more spiritually open area than I had last seen. It had been a few years, but what I saw was amongst the church, the Arab church, the Christians, and even the lost, the the Muslims in the country, um, there was more of a spiritual openness and a softness, a tenderness towards Christ than I remembered before. Before, it was more sharp. It was a little more dry. There wasn't a lot going on. It didn't feel like there was a lot of spiritual energy in some of these areas, but that had shifted slightly on this trip, and I did sense that there was more going on. I sensed that the Spirit was moving in this area, and I I was encouraged by that. I appreciated that, and I liked seeing how people were responding, attempting to respond in faith, and take risks to make sure that they are faithful and that they're carrying out the task that God has given them. So that was interesting for me to perceive. Also, in parts of the Arab world, we may not think about it a lot, but there's still a great deal of refugees. There's many refugees in some of these countries, and that means that there's still many Christians that are ministering amongst those refugee populations. They're trying to continue to help provide for them. Some of them have been able to leave those camps. It seemed like a lot of particularly Syrian refugees were no longer in these areas. 
but there were still Iraqi refugees, and some of those had been there for many, many years, and they were continuing to live life. They were trying to develop skills, learn things, learn skills uh, that they could use um, in their lives today, but potentially in the lives tomorrow. But Christians were continuing to engage these people, these hurting people that many have forgotten about. Uh, in fact, for many of us around the world, we may not think of these refugee populations that are still sitting in cities and in rural areas in many countries around the world. But this was particularly important work. Not only are these hurting people, but it seems like it's from these people, these populations, that people are really coming to Christ. I had the opportunity to sit with several people who had dreams and visions of Christ, were exposed to the Word, and were exposed to other believers that were in their midst, perhaps doing that refugee work, and the Spirit moved and, and saved them. And I'm just very inspired by the faithful people who have been called by God to minister to these people, and particularly take risks to reach out and to engage those who have had these types of encounters, who are asking questions and who are coming to faith. That's a, a risk for them as MBBs. You might hear that term MBB sometime, and that is an acronym for Muslim Background Believers. Some people prefer BMB, believers by a Muslim background, believers from a Muslim background. But regardless, these are people who had once been Muslims who came to Christ uh, through a variety of different ways, but the Spirit prompted them. They came to faith, and the risk is very real for them. Many of them have to pay a very high cost with their families, even if they're in a refugee camp, or even if they're from a, a wealthy and well-to-do family. They really risk losing everything when they come to Christ and identify publicly with Christ. And so the risk there for them, but the risk is also there for anybody that's working amongst them and is willing to engage with them, to disciple them, to spend time with them, and to help them on their spiritual journey. The risk is very real for them. I had the opportunity on this trip to spend some time with a couple pastors who this was their bread and butter, this was their calling, was to minister to Muslim background believers and really help them on their spiritual journey. And it was clear that not all was well, and they weren't well received by everybody in the populations around them, the people around them. In fact, recently, one of these pastors had started receiving death threats because of his work and just recently found a bullet that had been placed prominently in his car. And I've seen that before in, in parts of the Arab world before. That's a very clear warning that there's, there could be a bullet for you should you continue in this work. I was encouraged by this pastor, though, in describing this story he shrugged his shoulders and said, it's better to die for Jesus than to die from COVID. And what he meant from that is he'd rather die being faithful in the work that God has called him to do than just in the day-to-day -day situations that could claim his life anyways. He'd rather go out faithfully and continue doing the work he was given rather than by other means. So this guy definitely applied an eternal perspective, which we can all use in our own lives as well And we, when we consider our own callings. Here's another thing that I picked up. Again, this is my take. This is an outsider's look into the local situation of evangelical Christianity in the Arab world. You might get a, a slightly different take from a missionary that might be working and living in the area. You might get a slightly different take from an Arab Christian that is you know, living in the area and doing ministry. 
But I think this is a fairly accurate read of the situation, and it won't be it won't be greatly different from those those types of perspectives that I'm describing. But I sensed a new I didn't sense this years ago, but this is new. I sensed a budding awareness that the churches there, the Arab churches, the Arab congregations, the Arab Christians, that they were waking up to the fact that they had a lot to offer. Now this is new. They had a lot to offer. They have experiences that others do not have in the faith around the world. That could be just how to be faithful when there's real pressures around you, when it's really unpopular. And that's becoming more and more common in Western nations and other places. But in the Middle East, under the governments where they you know, live, the pressure can be significant. It's not just the governments. It's the communities. It's the tribes. It's the families. The pressures that they face for being faithful to Christ publicly, especially holding to biblical views and not backing down from them, very significant. They have this experience. They have a track record, and they have some insights that we all need to glean from, and they're waking up to that. They realize that they have this to offer, and it's not just that. They they have that experience, but they also are waking up to just their spiritual heritage, the church history that has been born out of these lands, uh, the different sites, the biblical sites. Yes, I mean, you go to to Israel and the Holy Land, and there's biblical sites everywhere. But it's true in the rest of the Middle East as well. It's true in the rest of the Arab world. And they're realizing this, and they're realizing that they have this opportunity to learn from them and to share with the world more about those sites and that history and that culture. And I just loved hearing and seeing some of that. Basically, Arab Christians, in many respects, are just realizing that they have some, they have a lot to offer they have a lot to offer. These are not beggars. These are people that are flush with perspective and history and and things to share and to give. They're going to be a rich blessing, I think, in the years to come as they are today for the global church. And, and we really need their perspective and, and we need their fellowship. We will return to the podcast momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast, like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe, that is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at christianemergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.christianemergency.com. And now, back to the show. Now, not all is wonderful and rosy. There's plenty of challenges um, going on in the Arab world. There is what I perceived, and, and some of the pastors there described this, that there's a growing gap among the pastors themselves, specifically along the ages, along the generations. There are too few younger pastors, younger people being called, younger men being called to be trained and used in pastoral ministry. 
And many of the pastors are older now, and they're starting to retire, and they're not being replaced. And there's a real risk of this developing further and becoming more aggravated. So this is definitely a prayer request that we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit would move amongst younger men in the Arab world and breathe into them this this calling, this ministry. They need shepherds. They need shepherds. They need biblical shepherds. And in a way, this is a similar problem that's encountered in other parts, even in the, the Middle East, for example, in the Persian world, the, the world of Iran. There's many young pastors, young people who are perhaps being prompted and called to ministry to pastor, but they're very junior, and they're green. They may not have been in the faith for very long, and where there may have been a senior pastor in that church or in that congregation, sometimes the governmental pressures in Iran are so intense that the senior pastors have to flee before anybody else has really been discipled, trained, and raised to, to serve as a, as a senior pastor, in a, as a senior role in a church, and yet these young people, almost out of necessity, are stepping up to the plate and doing the best that they can, but they're under-equipped and they're, they struggle. So it's, it's similar to that problem in the Arab world, but really we just don't have enough of them, and you do see senior pastors that are retiring with nobody else taking over the reins, really, or the risk of that really happening. So we need to be praying for this, and one one pastor who I deeply respect in this area, and he said that the number one need, the number one need in the Arab world is it's not really for money. There's there's definitely resources need to be applied. There's areas where money's desperately needed, but the number one need in the Arab world is for biblical churches with biblical pastors. That was it. It didn't matter if they were big churches or small churches. They needed biblical churches with biblical pastors, trained biblical pastors, pastors who were theologically grounded, who had studied theology, they'd studied ecclesiology, they could apply this, and they could speak, and they could exegete the text and train up their congregations, their flocks, in biblical truth, and help them to stand as biblical Christians in these in these areas under this pressure— that's probably the number one need for the church all around the world. You know, in some areas you see better examples of this than others, but I, I think this is a, a hallmark of what the church needs right now in every country around the world. We need more biblically grounded churches with biblically faithful pastors who are able to equip their congregants with a biblical, holistic worldview that's what's going to be required for the pressures that are mounting anywhere around the world. And that's why at the Christian Emergency Alliance, we really want to focus on strengthening local churches. It's almost like the cells in your body. If the cells in your body are healthy, your entire body is going to be healthy. We think the global church is going to be strong or stronger enough to stand when those cells, when those individual local churches are strong and equipped, and they're able to penetrate their communities with the gospel. They're able to share the truth about Jesus Christ. They're able to be the hands and feet of Christ in their communities, and we just need this everywhere. I think that prayer request that we need to be lifting up more, we need to be asking the Spirit to, to raise up more young pastors. I think we need to be praying that in the Arab world, but we need to probably be doing that in our local communities as well. Even if a community of any decent size has a biblical faithful church, praise God for that, but there likely needs to be more. 
There needs to be more because a pastor needs to know their flock, and the flock needs to know the pastor. And you can't do that in a town of 40,000 people with just one biblical church. That pastor is not going to be able to do that. The elders are not going to be able to do that for all of the congregants. So we need to be praying for this in the Arab world and in our own home communities too. So by and large, it was a very, it was such a nice uh, ministry trip. We were able to, to do some projects to help people, particularly those that are falling in the gaps, particularly with, with Muslim background believers. There were uh, episodes where we saw churches that had really risen to the occasion and tried to help out with situations that had just basically landed on their doorstep, and they helped these fellow believers out, but there were still some unmet needs. And during this trip, we were able to help meet some of those. And so those projects, again, are all thanks to you, our donors, anybody that's financially invested and partnered with us. We made it clear to them that that there's brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world that are praying for them, for the Arab world, for the Middle East, for Christians that are under pressure, and that this is really from their hearts, and they're loved, and that they're lifted up. So thank you guys very much for, for all of that. And it's just so amazing to see how God moves in these different situations. Sometimes in the darkest seasons of our lives, God is really doing something that's penetrating our lives with light. There was one example where a project that you all supported for an MBB, this person had been run out of their home country. They'd been run out of their home country in the the broader region of that world uh, by their family because they came to Christ. And that was not well received by his tribe, and he had to flee. He fled to a neighboring country where he was able to be a, enjoy a little bit more freedom. He didn't have much, but he was scraping by. He then got deported from that country as well. He was continuing to be public in his faith, and it just became an irritant. So that country booted him. And he landed in another country in the Arab world that he didn't expect to be in. He never thought he would step foot in this in this country. He had nothing more than a, a day pack, and he didn't know what to do. He wasn't allowed to go anywhere else. He was stuck, and yet God was moving in all of that. He ended up able—he was able to connect with a believer who had been discipling him. It turned out that that more mature believer lived in that other country. They were able to connect, and a local church was able to rise up and at least provide some shelter for that brother and and help him out with his immediate needs. But we were able to come alongside that uh, small church and and help to facilitate more of those needs on a a longer-term basis. But what's fascinating is that MBB, that Muslim background believer who was in trouble, who found himself in a country he never expected, he had felt drawn to learn more about the faith, to be trained so that he could be a leader for fellow Christians, particularly from his background. And that was particularly the opportunity that was available in the country he found himself in. So yeah, he may have only had a day pack. He didn't have anything else, but God's taking care of his needs and he's getting training, some excellent training that he's going to be able to apply for the rest of his life and to be a blessing to the to the church in the region. So it was wonderful to, to share time with these believers and to hear their testimonies. I love that, and I wanted to relay that to you all as well, to provide that window into how God is moving and how God is even moving through your sacrificial giving. One other thing that I observed, and I'll wrap it up, 
I did. I, I continue to see this. This isn't necessarily new. I've observed this in in years past uh, in the region, and that is there's still sometimes a tendency by some churches to be perhaps hyper focused on their influence and their good standing with the authorities. Um, they really want to be well received always by those in authority. And they will almost they will curb the way that they carry themselves. They will curb what they share. They will curb what they do to maintain that good standing by local authorities. I'm not I'm not really casting aspersions. I'm not casting blame. They're doing that because in their minds, this is what allows them to keep their doors open. They don't want problems. They want to steer clear of that, and they want to continue to be able to be. Uh, very public and have you know public facilities and and all of this, but I also would encounter other mature believers who really had problems because they were unwilling to to bend in that direction. They were faithful to a fault. They were faithful, and many times they lost jobs, they lost opportunities, they were interrogated by law enforcement. They had problems with secret police. I point this out because this is going to be tension that is only going to grow. We're already tasting it in other parts of the world, whether you're in Australia, Europe, or the United States, or anywhere else. There is this tension, and you are going to see people who are unwilling to cage biblical truth or their biblical activity because it's not popular with the culture, and it's not popular with uh, the government, the governing authorities in that area. And we need to be aware of that tension and, and choose today how we're going to carry ourselves, how we're going to conduct ourselves. One of the accounts that I heard um, of somebody that lost their job, it was fascinating because they described how they had to, they got called into HR. And HR, who had been getting hassled by the secret police because of this person's activity, HR was looking for ways to, to drop them and eventually did drop them. They, were, they fired this person. But when I heard this, I was like, man... I think of HR as only being like in, in the West, HR departments and workplace policies and being used to used and weaponized against people that are being faithful, biblically faithful Christians. That's probably going to become more and more commonplace. When I heard that and the fact that they were still willing to not buckle under that, they weren't willing to buckle. They're not willing to buckle when pressure, similar pressure like that through HR departments or workplace policies were applied to their spouses. Um, it may not have even been that spouse that was being active, but they were being targeted as a way of bending the arm of that faithful worker, that faithful Christian who was out doing ministry. All of these things, and yet they were still faithful and willing to take the problems rather than than yield. And I was inspired and encouraged by those examples, and I hope that hearing that you have Arab brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking through that exact same scenario as many of you are contemplating or may have gone through yourselves, we're in this together. We're the same body, and we can learn from one another's example. But I, I was encouraged by those that were willing to pay a price, and it was a costly faith for them, as it may increasingly be a costly faith for us. May we be faithful regardless of the circumstances or, or what comes down the pike. So God is on the move in the Arab world if you're new to this podcast, and you might be surprised that there is a an active community of believing Christians in the, in the Arab world. 
well, that's good. We want you to be aware of them. We want that to be dispelled because we have a giant global body. We may be small in number in the villages, the cities that we live in. Maybe we feel dramatically dwarfed by the communities around us that don't share our, our belief, our faith, but there are so many of us scattered around this world, and God really is moving right now, I think, to, to save many. Let me close on one more point. This just came to my mind. I wasn't going to touch on this, but it, it popped in my mind. One of the other things that's evident in the Arab world, and I touched on how there's refugee ministry and everything like this, there are people that are coming to the faith that sometimes face hardships in local churches. And, well, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, amongst those refugees, some of those are Christian refugees, and they have suffered dearly because of Islamic extremists in their home countries. They've lost their homes. They may have lost loved ones who were murdered by these militants. Now they've had to flee losing everything, and now there's somebody that's coming into their church that has recently converted to the faith, but they came out of that Muslim background Perhaps for us who aren't in that uh, really specific granular setting where that has really happened to us on a personal basis, it, it might seem easy for us to just you know dismiss that and be like, oh, well, but now they've come to faith and all that is set aside and you guys can just get along. There's still a lot of, however you want to describe it, there's still this baggage there that these sentiments and distrust and anger Sometimes there have been people that have infiltrated churches under the guise of being interested in the faith when really they were just reporting. So there, there's all these kinds of things stirred up and, and baked into that cake. But um, God is softening and moving in those situations too. I think that's something important for us to, to think about as well. There might be people, whatever country you're in, there might be people that are radically opposed to the Christian faith today. And maybe they're doing horrible things, things that are terrible for the the church or just terrible for humanity. You could think of whatever scenario you want. Maybe this is an abortionist who has murdered thousands of babies. And you can imagine if somebody like that came to faith and started to come into your church, uh, it may not generate the same response as what is encountered in the Arab world, like I'm describing with these refugees. But we need to think through that and prepare our hearts and our minds for that situation as well. God has broken down the dividing line through Jesus Christ, his Son, amongst all of these groups, and he is saving people from the darkest of backgrounds, from the bleakest of situations. And for many of us, myself included, I know what it's like to, to walk out of sin and to pursue the righteousness of Christ and to be saved by him and to be in a different setting, in a new setting, to be a, a changed person. That's very pronounced in the Arab world, but it, I think it has insights and lessons for us to apply in our own as well. So certainly there's a lot of things we need to be praying for for the Arab world, and I would be very grateful for your prayers for the Arabic church that it would be strengthened, that maybe in, you know, just like in the last few years, I've seen these these encouraging developments, that that will only increase. Even if the, the temporal situation, even if the, the security setting, the cultural setting, even if that gets darker, I pray that it continues on a spiritual basis to burn brighter and brighter. And I pray that also for your community, for your state, for your country, wherever this finds you. Okay, truly the last thing, and then I'll wrap it up. 
there's a lot going on in the world. We need to be praying for the Arabic church, but I also got the opportunity to see Arabic brothers and sisters in Christ praying for you, praying for Christians in other parts of the world. They were praying for their brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine. That war is unfolding still. It's day 31 or so at the time of this recording of that horrible conflict. They were praying for their the church in Russia. Boy, do we need to be pl- praying for the churches in these hot spots where there is so much suffering. It's intense, and the spiritual warfare is intense. They are remembering their brothers and sisters in these areas, just like we need to be remembering them. So that's just something that we need to be doing. If you see a headline that disturbs you, let's be praying for the church there and remind ourselves that the church is active there. And that's going to spur in us a heart of gratitude and not allow us just to wallow in despair or to allow a spirit of despair or fear to set in. Let's tap into the Spirit's capacity to open up the context of that situation, to remind us of all that God is doing in these areas and that God will continue to do and that He's faithful. So that is a brief outsider's look and a fresh take on the church in the Arabic world. By all means, reach out to us. If you have any questions, you can find us on our website or on social media, Twitter or on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll try to put out some more content about the insights gleaned from this trip. Again, a heartfelt thanks to our donors, every one of you that sacrificially helped, not just with this, but you've helped now for quite a long time since our launch uh, a year and a half ago. So those projects are courtesy of you, and they're really, del- they're really from God, but they're delivered through you, and we're grateful that we get to partner all together to be used in this fashion for the church in these difficult areas. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.